Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast and thank you for joining us today for a very special episode which is made possible by the National Lottery. Today I'm going to be joined by a footballing hero, Rio Rosenberg from Highbury, London, who has a brilliant story to tell and also joining us is Charlie from the Bloomsbury Football Foundation. A lot of you will know I've been a football fan since I was a kid. I've been going to, to Millwall since I was five years old and I mean of all the clubs to have been going to I've seen how much how important community work is and 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 outreach work is for bringing players through for bringing just people into the sport and and supporting the right way and that's what we're going to be kind of talking about today because because Bloomsbury Football Foundation has worked with Rio to help impact young footballers around North London. As I said, Charlie's the founder and CEO of Bloomsbury Football Foundation who used national lottery funding to improve the lives of young people. The organisation's aim is to create a sense of community and engagement amongst the kids that join for a kickabout and to try and make sure that that sense of community engagement is available to kids from any background, you know. And they're not just trying to teach them football skills through access to top quality footballing opportunities they're also trying to mentor them and setting them up for challenges that may lie ahead in future life so yeah and I'm particularly excited as said to talk to Rio because because Rio was the head coach for the under 10s team at Bloomsbury and is assisting coach for the under 14 girls she's had to take a break due to university but still supports coaching and getting involved in the in the football camps as we touch upon and has also been in lo- involved in loads of things like the women's football coverage at YouTube ch- ch- channel Haters TV. She was signed to Palace under 23s in, in 2020. But most important, as said, and what we're here to talk about is through Bloomsbury Football, she mentors the young players she used to teach, two of whom um, are on course to be pros at Crystal Palace and Arsenal, respectively. But we get into all of that. I promise you, as I said, this is a treat of a bonus episode on a topic that you can tell, you you can hear from the intro and you'll hear from the conversation. It's a topic I'm really passionate about and care about. As said, I've supported a club that has had a lot of troubles over the years with fans, with all sorts of stuff. And it's the the small bits of work I've done with them over the years, it became really clear really quickly that you don't just solve these problems inside the turnstiles. And you do need to solve them there as well. But it's community stuff, it's community projects, it's bringing people from all sorts of different backgrounds together and giving access to expert and, you know, high-level facilities, giving that access to everyone, regardless of background, is is key. And that's, that's what we're going to be talking about. So without any more rambling... Let's get into the podcast. Let's talk to Rio and Charlie. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. Right, I'm here today with 
Charlie and Rio. Welcome to Distraction Pieces. Before we dive into the the beautiful game and how the National Lottery funding has helped the amazing operation that you guys run at Bloomsbury Football Club, can you introduce yourselves to our listeners and let us know how you're involved in the whole in the whole setup? Who wants to go first? I'll take the lead. So my name is Charlie Hyman. I'm the founder and CEO of Bloomsbury Football Foundation. I set it up four and a half years ago and I'm still here running it. Love it. And my name's Rio. Um, I'm still involved in Bloomsbury in some aspects, but I was a former under 10 and under 14 um, head coach and assistant coach at Bloomsbury. I love it. And and how have you guys enjoyed the seasons so far? When were you last down at, at Bloomsbury? So it's been um, a pretty busy start to um, what is the 22-23 season for us. Um, I try and get out to see the programs um, and the work that goes on on the ground as much as possible. But most of my time is spent behind the scenes trying to organise things and make sure that we're able to run all the programs that we do uh, and are also able to raise enough funds to be able to support the children who couldn't afford to play uh, without that funding that we get from generous partners and, and donors. Yeah. So uh, I, w- I want to g- get into more of that, Charlie. But before we do, Rio... Obviously, you love your your football. I want to understand a bit more about how you fell in love with the game and what was your your entry into into this 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 lifelong passion. Yeah, I fell in love with the game probably through my mom. She took me down to the park when I was very very young, and parents kind of test you out at all different sports or activities that you might like. Yeah, and let's just say that football was the one that I gravitated towards. But yeah, I think that was my earliest memory of, of kicking a ball about was in the park and and did your mum have a, a team that 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 she supported because my introduction to football was completely inherited from my dad and and supporting in that way yeah well um we support my side of the family um my immediate family supports manchester united um but the rest up in scotland and majority of celtic fans yeah. So if I was to turn around in a Rangers shirt, I don't think they'd be particularly pleased. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Celtic and Manchester United are the two. That's two clubs with some of the most passionate, like in-town rivals as well. So it's 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 rare to have teams that have have, have got that close a rival, I guess. But um, so you've coached the under tens and the under fourteens girls team. How do you see football impacting on those girls' lives? Oh, massively. I think um, if I look at what it's done to me and it's happening to the girls as well, the community that you get when you play football, the friends you meet, um, the social skills you gain from football, I think you don't get that in a lot of other areas. And it's not just playing football as well. There's so many different pathways for them to go into, such as coaching or in the media industry. So, yeah, there's so many options for them. I think football just opens a lot of doors for young people. Oh, we're seeing it more than ever in, in recent years. And at the moment, with the World Cup on, Alex Scott has just gone absolutely w- w- wonderfully viral for t- taking a stand and, 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 and making a statement. And I think, yeah, there's so many career opportunities in and around football that, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to have examples like that. And obviously the recent England team and all that just have these examples of of women doing amazing things in and out of the sport, right? Oh, yeah. Like Alex Scott's a massive role model to me. I'm currently reading her book. Yeah. Um, and I think it's her stories and so inspiring and relatable as well. Um, and I think 
that's what I love about her character. And then, yeah, where do you begin with the lionesses? Yeah. Um, so many role models are within that team and going on to do incredible things for club and hopefully bring one more for the World Cup next year. And it's kind of down to the men to continue that that success from what the women done in the summer. Yeah, completely. I mean, you touched upon the kind of things beyond football as well. And obviously, as well as the obvious physical benefits of, of, of being involved in sports at a young age, the community b- benefits are, are, are a huge th- thing. I've been a Millwall fan since I was, I was five and seeing around there the amount of outreach stuff in communities, in working class co- communities to give people young kids a place to train a place to get their discipline and focus and to work with loads of other people it's 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 life changing right it's not just a bit of a kick around it's a real it's a real thing for the community oh definitely and it's what grew me to to bloomsbury it obviously started with china park in camden with four four kids that turned up and my journey started in camden football wise anyway yeah. um my first team was in camden and again, what happens is you get so many people from loads of different backgrounds and cultures that would never be put together, let's say, in a squad if it wasn't for football. So I think it, it just has a massive impact and it's way beyond just kicking the ball about. It's so much more to it. And I mean, as I said, having mentioned a, a, a history in South London, I've got to ask you about your experience playing at, at Crystal Palace. How different is it playing at that level to what you, you guys get involved with at Bloomsbury? And, and can it still be as fun? Is it more serious? Like, what's the, the differences? I think, obviously, you still have the same aspects. You're allowed to play football for the for the enjoyment, aren't you? Um, but it definitely does change this because there's a lot of, of pressure around that. And now you've got a Premier League badge attached to you as well. And I think that comes yeah. with a lot of pressure. So I did feel my relationship with football did change a, a bit. Well, quite a lot when I went to Crystal Palace, but I still got good memories there. And I think I learned a lot about myself being within that environment and how you cope with different stresses and pressures. Like one of my girls from Bloomsbury is just signed for for Crystal Palace and is now on the way up the academy pathway. So that's always really, really good. And I think if you want to aspire to be at the top of your game, you, of course, want to be a part of these academies, but you won't get into these academies without grassroots and what Bloomsbury do is we we help everyone not just the people who want to push on and become a professional footballer we, we focus on on every single person well I mean kind of speaking on on that you, you've spoken before the pressures of feeling like people wanted you to to give up on football when you hit puberty and stuff like that can you can you you tell me a, a little bit like that because you mentioned initially being actively encouraged at a young age and then yeah where were those those points that that things felt different I think in school I think that's where I I started to notice that oh I'm the only girl here that's actually play plays football and I think a lot of the boys I had to earn a lot more respect than let's say if a boy turned up and I turned up they'd instantly get that respect level and I feel like I didn't get that um, so it was a lot of like just pushing down barriers and proving myself constantly and you shouldn't have to do that but unfortunately that's the yeah, case in many scenarios so I think yeah that was probably the biggest barrier that I faced at that young age but at the time I didn't see it as a barrier which is, mm. is weird to think I think I just I got on with it I, I really didn't let that affect me but I think a lot of other girls probably 
find that a bit daunting. Yeah. Um, also, you've got loads of different things when you hit a certain age. Obviously, the menstrual cycle that comes into play and a lot of girls drop out, unfortunately, um, around like the 16 age. And that's probably the most vital age that we need to keep girls active. Yeah, it's, it's something that's not talked about in all women's sports is the adapting training everything else around menstrual cycles around the way different women and girls are hitting different ways on that i speak to a lot of um of mixed martial artists and the women they just say it can can change a training camp completely because there's something that's out of your control interfering it so so yeah it must be great to be able to have examples there people to advise and to help and to 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 push through that period i guess yeah and and one thing we did at bloomsbury maybe charlie could touch on it a a lot more than me but we did a collaboration with frida and helped provide like period products to the to the girls and have that not as a barrier to get onto a football pitch because it really shouldn't be but unfortunately again i will reiterate it is a massive barrier to a lot of girls um i think it's just the education piece for girls and boys because if you get a male coach and they don't necessarily understand what it it can have as an impact to the player's performance and also their mood yeah there's quite a lot of research that still needs to be done yeah particularly in training and at at those teen years where you're going past the oh this is just for fun that the trainers are the coaches can be pushing you harder and harder if there isn't an understanding of that then that can be a mess because they might be think they're doing the right thing in pushing you and trying to spur you on. It's like, no, this is out of out of my control. So speaking of things like that, how important is the financial assistance offered by the national lottery players when it can go to funding things like um, sanitary products, but also access to kits, transport, coaching, all that kind of thing for those who can't afford it, right? Yeah, that's, that's huge. And there's so many areas that, it impacts Mm. you mentioned kit and i'll probably explore a bit more than kit because a lot of the time if you look look at grassroots it's big baggy kit and i remember when i was growing up we had like kit that was just down to my knees um but i love to see that all the bloomsbury girls we all have it's all nicely fitted kit um and that's across the board and without the funding that we get we wouldn't be able to have that um also like facilities as you know london is not a lot of space to get like astroturf and then everyone's booking it out years in advance so Uh, i think yeah it has a massive massive impact and without the help of the national lottery then we wouldn't be able to provide the programs that we run on a on a daily basis and it's mad because where football is in this country in general is it such a sport of of tiny increments and tiny improvements and and of nuance so completely if kids are playing in in kits that don't really fit or are too big and and all that kind of thing that's madness like that's that's that that really is going to make a difference so from an actual technique and 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 physical point of view will make a difference but also from just a mental point of view if you feel like you look like a proper team that's going to add that extra professionalism right yeah definitely and I love to see the pictures of me when I was in my baggy kicks I just laugh at it now but yeah yeah, it does have a massive impact on you, especially like girls as well. Like you'll you'll be a lot more body conscious as you get older. Um, and having like big baggy kit, you yeah, it kind of puts you off sometimes. But yeah, having having fitted kit just also from a performance perspective as well. You don't want to be like tripping over your kit because in some scenarios that's how bad it is because a lot of the time it's like leftover or handover kit from the men's teams. Mm. And football really is a sport where so many 
of the big names in in men's football and in, in women's football have come from w- real working class backgrounds and that's why support like this is so key right to make sure that this sport is open to everyone but because it can be a ray of sunshine or just an amazing way to express yourself in 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 what you want to do so it's key to to open it up to everyone i guess right yeah because at the end of the day football is probably one of the only things where again as i said before it brings so many different people together you don't need to talk the same language to play football you just need the ball and like Mm. just a few players and you could you could get going on the streets and that's how so many if you look at the professional game now that's where everyone's come from so if we don't look after the roots of where football has been founded in this country and and everywhere around the world then we won't get the elite performances that we're seeing at the world cup because if you look at all their stories, everyone come from a grassroots club and that's how they got started. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's about bridging that gap because mm-hmm. it is a sport that anyone can just get a football, jumpers for goalposts, etc., and um and play. But then when you are taking it up that level, as you've touched upon, it is, it's booking AstroTurf, it's getting time on pitches it's getting kits it's getting equipment it's getting travel all these other things so I guess that's the key to things like a Bloomsbury football so Charlie can I I, I talk to you more about that I guess like how have you seen uh, national lottery funding make a difference to to players who come along and what has the funding helped you do I guess I guess it's as simple as without the funding from the national lottery um, and other generous supporters of Bloomsbury we wouldn't be able to provide places to those young people who don't have the ability to pay Um, so the way in which our programs work is that we take football out into communities into schools um, social housing community centers to try and engage those young people who like don't play sport at all at the moment or have had barriers to access it and the national lottery's funding helps us to fund the costs associated with running those programs whether that's the coach or the pitch or the equipment that we need Mm-hmm. That hopefully then gets those young people active. They build confidence. They build up a love for for sport and specifically football in our case. And hopefully they then want to come along to the sessions that we run outside of those settings. So on weekday evenings, weekends and holidays. And the way in which those work is if you can afford to pay, you pay, which is great. And some of that funding goes towards subsidizing the places for those that can't. And then we also need to fundraise. So again, the National Lottery helps us to ensure that those children have no barriers to accessing that regular provision that we know will hopefully make a meaningful difference for the rest of their life by building up a lifelong love of sport and all the the life skill development that comes with it. I love it. I love it. And and it's been something that you guys have been building up as as well over this time. So so what's the story behind Bloomsbury Football? How did you guys get your start? Like, like how did it get to where you are today, I guess? Back in, this must have been 2012, 2013, I was at uh, sick form and school said you need to go and do some volunteering. So I headed out to the local park to pick up the cones, for my younger brother's football team, uh, and actually really enjoyed just being involved. And it kind of inspired me to go and do my coaching badges, my qualifications. Um, So I went off uh, and spent the summer with Fulham's foundation. So went all around South London, seeing what an amazing impact 
football can have on communities and was just inspired by not just football for what it is but for what it can do and when I finished university like lots of young people these days I didn't really know what I wanted to do but I knew that this was something I was passionate about Um, and so like Rio alluded to I, I essentially set out with a bag of footballs to a pitch at a community centre in Camden Town with the aim being to make this really amazing football experience that was professionally run with the best footballs on the best pitches, but one that everyone could access even if they couldn't afford you know, one pound to come along and play. Yeah. Um, and it's honestly just grown out from there over the last four, four and a half years, which I think is testament to the demand that there is for you know accessible great quality regular sport from young people in london and we now work with five thousand children a week across eight london boroughs which is incredible and i never thought we would get to that size that's absolutely astounding to to get that big across that much space as well um uh, who do you have coaching them now because again if you're starting off essentially you turning up with a bag of footballs i'd imagine you know that's a lot of kids for you to turn up with a bag of footballs for. So it's a lot of footballs. I see. What's kind of the coaching setup now? That is, yeah, we are really lucky to have an amazing team of coaches. Um, We believe that in order to ensure that the quality of what is being run and that and the sessions are the best experience for young people. Those coaches need to be paid. They need to be qualified. We need to invest in training for them, equipment for them. So uh, we've got a big pool of about 70 coaches, of which Rio is one, who go out uh, every day and run amazing sessions in in schools and in evenings and weekends. And uh, yeah, it's it's a constant evolving group. And and we spend a lot of time helping them to develop to put on the best sessions possible for the young people. Amazing. And uh, I touched upon it with Rio, but how important is it that access to sports is available to everyone? And do you think there are kids who face like major barriers from being that kid passionately having a kickabout in the park to being involved in top level sports with top level sports coaching and top level sports facilities? Definitely. I mean, we see that firsthand day in, day out. If you can't afford, you know, hundreds of pounds of membership fees, hundreds of pounds for kits for new football boots, like your child just doesn't play. If you couple that with the fact that schools um, are, you know, underfunded, especially for, for physical education, children just grow up without doing enough exercise without playing sport and and reaping the benefits that that come with it and I think growing up with the opportunity to access the benefits that sport provides is vital Um, and without that we we can see what the consequences are you know young people growing up overweight uh, we've got a mental health crisis we have young people growing up without uh, prospects of a career because they don't have the life skills to to get the jobs that they want and and sport can be an incredible tool to tackle those issues yeah and i mean obviously the sport and the football club is is one thing but again as i touched upon earlier i know from experience that being part of a club is also about the community which is as important to the sport itself so charlie uh, tell me a bit about about the community and how you see it benefiting the players? Yeah, so I think football um, is a universal language. People can play whether or not they speak the same language. Everyone knows you just need a ball and, and you can start a game. And I think if you remove the barriers to accessing it, 
cost mm-hmm. being one of them, but definitely not the only one, then inevitably you're going to get young people from a huge range of backgrounds all coming together, meeting each other, socializing with each other, communicating all through the vehicle of football. And for us, we see that as incredibly important, especially in a society that is becoming ever more divided between the haves and the have-nots. And it works on both sides. You know, young people growing up who don't have a lot and those who grow up who have everything um, that they could possibly want, developing empathy for others um, and others' differences. And I Mm -hmm. think that using football in order to ensure that people grow up with that understanding of others and the differences that they have will definitely lead to a better society once they grow older and and turn to adult life. I couldn't agree more. And it's something I feel so passionate about because, again, I touched upon upon having gone to Millwall for for a few few decades now. Um, And it's been well documented, all sorts of trouble that has gone on at Millwall from fans and things like that. And it's always been so clear that the solution to any of that is within the community. It's not just within the, the the walls of the grounds or whatever. And what you touched upon there of football being a universal l- language is these kind of initiatives and clubs can bring people from all sorts of different backgrounds all together with, you know, a unifying thing to get around and to gather around. And as you say, that then helps these young people grow into the the people that we want our communities to have in the future to have understanding and caring and 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 a connection so yeah it's a beautiful thing so to kind of start to wrap things up obviously as we record this the world cups on Ch- charlie f- first of all are you expecting kind of a boom in things around the world cup and how was the boom when the lionesses were out there just changing the 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 face of 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 sport in this country we hope so yes i guess the boom will probably happen in the coming weeks or even in the new year so we can look forward to that on the on the lionesses front incredible success um over the summer and we have seen an amazing spike in the number of girls interested in in coming along and playing football uh, especially in the schools that we work in where there are the option of taking part in a football session, the number of girls taking up the opportunity to play has really increased. And I think having those role models, those inspirational lionesses to look up to and and see uh, showing on a global stage that women can play football and play to an incredibly high level has been inspirational for those girls. So yeah, that's really helped us get more young girls playing and hopefully that will do the same for boys off the back of this World Cup. And and Rio, how how have you found that? Because did have you felt at all that the success of the Lionesses has kind of validated what you're doing more and made people understand more? Because again, I'm sure there's not always going to have have been everyone supporting or everyone understanding. And then when that kind of took this country by storm, it must have been a good kind of yes, see, (laughs) see what we're doing, see how good we can all be. Yeah, 100%. But I think the biggest point is probably that success from that one team was years and years of hard work and graft behind the scenes and to finally get that kind of worldwide approval, um, Mm. I'd probably call it, and the the actual recognition that they deserve. 
Um, you probably saw on the cover, I was at the final and that feeling was, yeah, it was very special. I think I was in tears at the, the final whistle um, just to be a part yeah. of that moment because um, it was definitely a moment that's going to go down in history. And you could really see when I'm like walking around, um, especially like in park, there's way more girls playing. And I think the open ladder that the Lionesses did to make sure that it's in um, footballs and school curriculums as it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we'll see a massive boom and we're seeing it already happening. And I, I think if we do one more and, and win the World Cup, wow, <laughs> I don't even know how big of an impact. But if you look at what's happened in America with the women's, the US women's national team, um, the boom over there is definitely happening over here. Yeah, I love it. And again, I think you've, you've, you've made a great point there of that's kind of the obvious public spike point of where all the excitement is coming, but that's been years in the making. And it's the work that you guys have been doing. So many community projects have been doing for years and years, kind of with no promise of this boom, of this spike. You you know, you guys have been doing this and building these communities because it is the right thing to do. It's, It's positive for the communities. It's needed. So, yeah, it must have meant the world to then go, here's where it was was working towards and this is just kind of the starting point so that must have been very rewarding yeah it definitely was and I think even when I look at the the girls I went to surprise them it was on Tuesday um a few of the girls I coached last year and look on their faces and I think that's when you realize how big of an impact you can make um and I think just that role model piece that Charlie was touching on it's it's so vital because if I look at when I was younger, you always remember the good teachers and the good coaches and yeah. how big of an impact they could actually have on you. So yeah, it was it was so rewarding for everyone who's involved in, in women's football, especially. I love it. Well, before I wrap things up, I want to ask each of you, what's ahead? What are you looking towards in 2023? 20, Charlie, would you like to go first on that? How's everything looking as we move into the new year? Yeah, sure. We've got um, pretty ambitious plans. So currently we're working with about 5,000 young people a week, which sounds a lot, but it's really only scratching the surface. There's hundreds of thousands of young people um, out there who don't have access or can't afford to take part in sport. Um, And we want to reach them and help them. We think that our model and the way we run our programs, it's possible to do that. So our aim really over the next few months is to make sure that the way in which we run at the moment would still be efficient and still work if we wanted to roll out, you know, 10 times the number of sessions that we're running now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've got an ambitious goal of of supporting 20,000 young people by the end, every week by the end of uh, 2023. So that's that's uh, that's what we're working towards. It's going to be hard, but anything's possible. So exciting times. That sounds absolutely amazing, mate. And and Rio, what's ahead for you in 2023? What are you looking towards? Obviously, it's similar to Charlie in terms of the Bloomsbury aspect. I think, Mm. obviously, I've got to focus on the girls and just having more and more girls turn up week in, week out. Because as we've touched on so much in this, this podcast is that football gives you so many benefits away from just the sport, the mental health impacts it has on you. Um, just to be in physical activity is always vital for you. The life skills that you gain. So I think the biggest message to everyone is just to get involved in football, no matter how old or young you are, because it still has so many benefits for you. 
I love it. I completely agree. Well, th- thank you both very much, firstly, for coming on the podcast, but also just for all the work you're doing with this initiative so yeah thank you very much it's been a pleasure to chat pleasure thanks for having us on thank you You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces So there we go that was Rio and Charlie. I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks to National Lottery Players, over £150 million has been raised to help local football dreams come true since 1994. It's truly amazing what the National Lottery does for people. And I'm so pleased that we could hear about the incredible community at Bloomsbury F- F- Football from Rio and Charlie. I'll be back next week as ever. Um, again, a little. I've been giving you a few little bonus ones recently because Christmas and New Year's, all that kind of thing. You deserve these things. It's been tough times, and you deserve these treats. So um, the treats are going to keep coming. But until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta ta. <laughs>